The Providence Journal presents Nick and Bob, the college basketball podcast for Rhode Island and around the nation with your hosts, Kevin McNamara and Bill Koch. Hello and welcome to the Providence Journal's Pick and Pop podcast. Uh, This is Kevin McNamara back here in lovely Providence, Rhode Island with uh, Bill Koch. Bill, good to see you once again. Kevin, welcome back from the frozen tundra of the Twin Cities. Yeah, the good news is I didn't play football in the tundra, like back in the day, Fran Tarkington, the Purple People Eaters, but I can't imagine how they did it back there in Minnesota because it was frigid. Well, what about April baseball? You had the Twins playing at Metropolitan Stadium as well. That couldn't have been a lot of fun. No, no, not at all. And uh, uh, it, it was... It was the coldest I've been in my life for a long stretch, and I went to school in Syracuse, New York. Now, I didn't say there was a lot of snow, but there was it was below zero pretty much every day of now, the eight days. Now, at the Qs, I'm told, and I've never been, that there are underground tunnels so that basically you don't really need to go outside very much. That's not true. That's not true. That's not true. Oh. No, if they make you walk. I didn't know now, that. There's some tunnels but they're not underground they're above ground so uh-huh. we used to call them wind tunnels okay. so they were windy but uh, and if you if you're in downtown minneapolis the buildings are connected with a lot of tunnels i see uh we were not in downtown minneapolis very I, often i want to give you credit because i don't think uh out of the media contingent the sizable media contingent from the new england market yeah. uh, i think you were in the under group in terms of twitter posts with the seven day forecast uh, i know <laughs> there was there was a lot of that going on uh you know our friend like Nick Coit and Yanni Caracas put up a few, oh, isn't this lovely, minus one in the morning, you know, the overnight low of minus nine. It, it was hard for me to feel bad for everyone because you guys were covering the, the Super Bowl, Bowl exactly. after all, uh, and you were rubbing elbows with the rich and the famous, oh, uh, as, yeah. as we saw a little bit. Yeah, Mark Daniels, Bob Breidenbach, <laughs> the best, only the best. <laughs> but, uh, you know, uh, Patriots didn't get it done, but... Yeah, we're happy to do some good work out there, and um, but more importantly, happy to be back and into college basketball season. It was funny. I saw Jay Billis today, and uh, he was talking about the uh, simpletons who now say, "Well, now that football is over, we can turn our attention to college basketball." Oh. And like Jay, uh, our attention's been on since October. Yeah, uh, and uh, needless to say, uh, people who listen to our podcast are the same way. They're Patriot people, but they're also college basketball people, and we're gonna. We're going to jump right in. Uh, Bill, we're going to flip it around and start with the Friars, only because they've played most recently. The URI Rams are on a uh, week, uh, roughly a week uh, off uh, break. Yeah, they're only by the season, right? Yep, they'll play again on Friday at home against uh, Davidson. But the Friars are coming off a pretty important uh, 73-69 win over Georgetown. Uh, I know you watched it the other night on Tuesday. Um, you know, the the bottom of the Big East has, has all of a sudden gotten difficult. Uh with Georgetown and St. John's acting like uh, the old Georgetown and St. John's. Uh, the Hoyas haven't been able to close games out, but they really had a great chance at Xavier, blew it in the last minute, and then they watched Providence go on a 9-0 run to close out the game and lose by four. So a couple tough losses for Georgetown, but uh, they're going to be a problem down the stretch here. Might have been a little bit of a subconscious slip there on your part because Trevon Blewett had a uh, four-point play there at the end. So Georgetown quite literally was done in by Blewett yeah. uh, in that one. And then and then the other night, obviously, you know, just sputtering down the stretch. And, and I'll give credit to Providence, the way that they defended late. Uh, to close that game on a 9-0 run. Um, you had the point guard, 
the smallest guy on the floor getting the biggest rebound of the game. Now, we can debate the merits of the foul call on Kyron Cartwright, but the fact that he was in there, your senior, sticking his nose in and trying to get a loose ball in the biggest spot of the game, that speaks volumes about where Providence is at mentally compared to maybe where they were last week. Yeah, and, and the, the big stat, I think, of that game is in the second half, Providence is struggling to score a little bit, only shot 30%. And yet they turned up their defense when they needed and, and brought Georgetown down to 33% in the second half uh, where the Hoyas were pretty much going through them with Jesse Govan in the, set, in the first half having 19 of his 27. Uh, they, it looked like it was going to be a shootout. And then the game switched when Providence needed to, just needed to dig in on D. And, you know, they, they are a, an inconsistent defensive team, certainly not a strong you know, defensive team, but they, they can lock people up when when needed, and uh, they certainly was needed uh, the other night. Well, I mean, Govan, to your point, had 11 field goals. The rest of his teammates had 13. Uh, you know, so he was a big problem, obviously. But Providence did a pretty good job on the rest of those guys. Uh, you know, Georgetown wasn't particularly good from two. They weren't good from three. They were six for 17. Uh, you know, and, and I just think that Providence showed – the grit down the stretch, both against Georgetown and against Marquette, that you would expect a senior-laden team to have. You know, these guys have played a lot of games, whether you're looking at Kyron Cartwright, Jalen Lindsay, Rodney Bullock, and what was completely absent at Seton Hall last week. We've seen their last two games when they absolutely needed it because they needed to split with Marquette after losing the home game. Mm-hmm. You don't want to give that sort of in to the tournament committee to discriminate against you in some way. If there's another team in your league that ends up on the bubble, you don't want to have been swept by them. And then Georgetown, I mean, let's face it, this would be a bad loss, especially at home. Um, you know, one that, that would have hurt Providence's metrics instead of sustaining them where they are right now in the top 30 of the RPI. Yeah, no, um, uh, my point is I, I think Providence is going to stub their toe against a team, quote, you're supposed to beat only because these teams are playing pretty well. You know, Friars have to go back on the road and play Georgetown. Uh, St. John's will be here in the very last game of the season, which uh, who knows what that'll mean for Providence. Obviously, they could be, you know, in desperate situation to win or, or they could be, you know, have things locked up. Uh, the bottom line is at 7-4, and four, uh, with more than halfway through the Big East season, they're really in excellent position to not only mm-hmm. uh, make the NCAA tournament, but to make a run towards the top of the league. Uh, they still have Villanova at home next Wednesday. They still have Xavier uh, on the road late in the year in a really difficult game. But, you know, th- those are the two teams above them. And, uh, you know, can't rule anything out that the league has certainly been topsy-turvy, as we've seen in the last couple of days with last place, uh, you know, St. John's beating Duke and then upsetting uh, first place Villanova. Well, let's just play the what-if game here. Looking at Providence's last seven, you have DePaul at home and St. John's at home. Based on where the teams are right now, those are games that you would hope Providence would win mm-hmm. fairly easily. Uh, Villanova at home is a tough one. Butler away is a tough one. Xavier away is a tough one. The swing games for me are Georgetown on the road and then Seton Hall at home, who you lost to in Newark. By a lot. By a lot. By 16, uh, you know, where you had Kyron Cartwright and Jalen Lindsay go scoreless mm-hmm. and go over 13 from the field. I find it hard to believe that they'll be that bad again in the rematch. Uh, you know, and that's a game that if you're able to beat Seton Hall and, and if you're able to take care of business in, in maybe, say, three of those other ones, you could be looking at 11 and 7, 12 and 6. And, and at that point, you're going to Madison Square Garden playing for an NCAA tournament seat. Oh, no question. Uh, and throughout this four year NCAA tournament run, Providence 
has won uh, 10 Big East games three times, 11 once. So anything in double figures. I do think that 11 is the magic number. It's not 10 because they can get to 10 without really beating anyone, you know, uh, above them. Um, So everyone's like, well, 10, you know, automatic, 10 and 8. Well, yeah, I think that probably could get Providence in, but it could get them back to the first four. And what's the point of that? You know, at, at this point... They're in a position where they can make a run toward the top of the league. You know, they're again seven and four, and they still have games against the two teams. Uh, and by the way, FYI, for anyone who didn't see the uh, Villanova game last night against St. John's, Eric Pascal has a concussion. Yes, and he's going to be out for a little bit. Who knows if he'll be here next Wednesday when Villanova comes in? But Villanova is a very thin team. That that's one of their weaknesses is they don't have great depth. And, uh, you know, if you tell me that Providence is going to have them at home without Pascal. Uh, and without Phil Booth, who Phil has Booth, a broken hand, Booth who's is out. out for a month plus, um, you know, uh, talk about a golden opportunity. Well, let, let's put this in some perspective. I tweeted this out last night. Uh, there were four members of the top 25 who lost at home. Villanova was one of them. Purdue, Auburn, and Nevada were the others. Those four teams were combined 46-0 and at home. Hmm. Until last night. Who did Nevada lose to? I didn't see that. Nevada lost to UNLV Got very it. late at night. UNLV, who's putting on a surge in the Mountain West. I was fast asleep at that time. I, I don't blame you. Okay. Um, you know, Auburn was busy giving away their game to Texas A&M. And Purdue lost to what I think is one of the stories of the season in college basketball, Ohio State. Uh, yes. Chris Holtman has done an excellent job there. Excellent job. Three Big East games last night. The road team won every game. There it is. Not quite sure what that says, but this time of year, you know, who knows what's going to happen. Providence is back in action on Saturday afternoon at 4 o'clock against DePaul. And continuing that theme, DePaul last night uh, lost to Creighton by two. Okay. So they're they're better. You know, they're they're competitive. Uh, Providence, you know, really hasn't had a blowout win uh, in the Big East. Uh, No. So, you know, I don't know if this is the time. But, uh, well, I should take that back. They, they got all over St. John's in the first uh, Big East game. So. That's right. They won by but, 22. Uh, that's, that seems like eons ago, by the way. And they, they did win at DePaul, but they needed a big run in the second half to do it. Yeah. Uh, 71-64, which was on January 12th. Gosh, that feels like years ago at this point. Yeah, and um, you're right. They were down uh, almost double figures in the second half. So, d- d- again, uh, that's right. th- that is not an easy game. Uh, it will be a sellout. It's, you know, family weekend or alumni weekend. There's always a weekend at, at Providence College in the summer, in the uh, wintertime, that corresponds with a home basketball game. Yeah. So DePaul is a sellout. Needless to say, uh, Villanova next week is a sellout. So, um, you know, the crowds have been coming out at the Dunkin' Donuts Center and certainly helped uh, the Friars. They've, uh, you know, only one Big East loss at home is uh, Marquette. Uh, before the Friars play on Saturday, the Rams are back in action. And it's funny, I texted you early this week I, I, with all the football going on, I just lost track of when. Rhode Island was supposed to play again, and uh, I'm sure they've really benefited. I know you've been down at Kingston uh, from a week of uh, Dan Hurley practice. Well, they more so they benefited from the weekend off. Uh, you know, they played four road games out of five going into this. The last one was at VCU on Friday night, uh, an eighty-one sixty-eight win against the Black and Gold Rams. Uh, and Kevin, it was my first trip to the Siegel Center, and I will say mm. it's it's the best road venue that I've been to. Uh, in the A-10. With, with all due respect to Dayton uh, and to St. Bonaventure, um, you sprinkle in VCU's tradition, the fact they had sold out their 113th straight game. The Peppas, who you know just make an unholy racket from an hour before the tip all the way through, um, 
And what it says to me is that if you're Rhode Island and you can go into a place like that and win the game going away, you are a really good basketball team. Yeah, and um, you know, I, I watched that game uh, from uh, Minneapolis. It was on national TV, ESPN two. And uh, VCU was very good in the first half. Yes. Uh, you know, they moved the ball well. They had the one shooter who made three or four threes Sean in the first Mobley, half. Sean Mobley, the freshman from Florida, yep. Um, but, boy, the game was very physical. And uh, Rhode Island, although not a big team, they seem to impose their, their will on VCU. And VCU fights back. You know, they're very physical as well defensively. And yet in the second half, VCU just didn't have enough in the tank. Now, the difference maker here was Cyril Andrevine, uh, 12 points and a career-high 18 rebounds. He was a monster in this game. And then you have Stan Robinson again, you know, just a guy who's undersized, playing against bigger players. Nine points, five rebounds, five assists, six steals in 27 minutes. I would imagine he slept pretty well on the charter flight home yeah, uh, and, and in guy. his dorm. Yep. Uh, you know, he's just beating himself up, uh, you know, for the good of this team. And, and I think... I I think his approach to the game is something that's shared by a lot of his teammates. Just the sacrificing for the common good uh, that this team has done. It's a different guy, really, every single night. Uh, you know, and I think that's just such an underrated aspect of, of good college basketball teams. Well, it it's also speaks to the versatility of the group. Uh, you know, Dan Hurley can ask certain guys to do certain things against certain opponents, and it's truly a game plan, game-by-game situation. Uh, minutes actually fluctuate quite a bit for some guys. But uh, Robinson, i I'd be honest with you, he's been the biggest surprise to me all season. You know, uh, he had a big NCAA tournament last year, but wasn't quite sure if he was a, you know, 30-minute-a-game guy along the lines of Jared Terrell and E.C. Matthews, but he's, he's irreplaceable. Well, but what Dan Hurley has made the point of is, is saying that he is the team's most valuable player, only because of his mindset, mostly. Uh, they are committed to playing four guards, which means he's going to play against a bigger guy, whether it's a, a stretch four or you know, someone who's more traditional banging inside. And that means that he has to sacrifice some of the things in his own game, his scoring, certain amount of shots that he can take. He has to go in there and bang against guys who might outweigh him by 30 or 40 pounds on a given night. But his willingness to do that frees up everyone else to do what they do. Uh, you know, Jared Terrell has been a good player for URI for his first three years, certainly. Right now, he's an all-conference player, potentially the player of the year. It opens up space for E.C. Matthews on the perimeter. Jeff Doughton looks like one of the best point guards in the league. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, the way he takes care of the ball and distributes it. And then the bench, they've settled into roles. You know, whether it be Barry and Cyril Langevine combined, whether it be Fats Russell coming off the bench the other night for 11 points, uh, you know, whether it be Jarvis Garrett spelling them as the secondary ball handler out there at times. You know, just with his experience and, and you know, the, the way that he's able to settle into a game just about anywhere. They, they've just really worked themselves into a good rotation, a solid rotation, an experienced, unselfish rotation. And it's turned into uh, 14 straight wins, which is one of the longest streaks in the country right now. So uh, let's cut to brass tacks here. Uh, The the building storyline around the Rams is that they're rolling through the A-10 in one of the weakest A-10 years in a long time. Just a few years ago, the A-10, I believe, had five teams in the NCAA tournament. Yeah, had six one year, it's, right. Yeah. Uh, this year, it, it looks like it's, it's you're talking about one, depending on what happens in the conference tournament. Um, VCU, again, I was impressed with. I, I thought that they had some uh, the pieces available to, to deal with Rhode Island, 
and they lost last night at home to Richmond. Yep. Uh, I don't actually. I'm not sure if that game was at home or on, on the road, road, but that's a big uh, regional rivalry, a city rivalry there. They they actually lost at home to Richmond by 15 earlier so, this year, so they've been swept by Richmond. So now. here's the question: Who else? Who's the threat? St. Bonaventure is the threat, and, and it didn't look like it when they came in here. Earlier in the year, you or I handled them mm-hmm. pretty easily. They lost to Davids in their next game. Since then, they've won five in a row. Jalen Adams has had back-to-back 40-point games in wins over Duquesne and St. Louis. Um, you know, and they've sort of righted the ship to the point where if you're St. Bonaventure right now, because of a couple of the wins that you had earlier in the year, they beat Buffalo, they beat Syracuse, um, they beat Maryland. Um, they have a chance. They, they're, they do. They're for, they're forty seven in the uh, RPI. They have a chance. And, and they do have a chance. They've got two quadrant one wins, three quadrant two, and they still get to play URI at home, which would be another quadrant one win if they're able to get it. Yeah. Then you get into the conference tournament, and you have to figure, you know, they're forty seven in the RPI right now. Um, their other metrics aren't so great. You know, necessarily, Ken Palm, they're a little bit down. Um, you know, just looking at, at what else they have here. Bill, to interrupt, what they can't do is what they did in the opening six, seven games of the A-10 season and lose to average or below-average teams. No, they need to run it out, for yeah. sure. And, and you know, there are other things don't really help. BPI, they're 56. Ken Palm, they're 66. Sagarin, they're 58. None of those would necessarily get you in the field. But if you run the table... Mm-hmm. You end up fourteen and four in the A ten. Yeah, twenty two and seven. 20, you know, sure. Um, yeah. You know, you win your last seven. You're twenty four and six overall. You get into the conference tournament. Your RPI is going to be in the low thirties somewhere. Well, but Bill, they're not beating the Rams, so you, you can you can you can give them one more loss about and, that. and lower that RPI. See now, so you're basically now. See, I think eighteen and zero. You're Bill. giving it to them. You're ready to say I, it. I, I am. I, I I've seen enough. Of the, you know, we, we've seen plenty of Rhode Island. I've seen enough of the opposing teams to know that I just don't trust them. And I, I did see I was at the Bonnie game. I like the two guards. I like you know, they get some athleticism. Obviously, a very difficult uh, uh, you know venue for URI to go up and win in. But I think they'll be ready to go. The the two spots where they could stub their toe here, in my mind, if it doesn't happen Friday against Davidson are at St. Bonaventure on February 16th and then at Davidson the last game of the year. Mm-hmm. Uh, that'll be senior night for Peyton Aldridge. It'll be a very difficult place to go and win if they're 17-0. and Guaranteed Belk Arena is going to be sold out. And, you know, Davidson's tough at home. And, and offensively, if they're hitting their shots, as St. Joe's found out their last game, they hit 23-pointers. Yeah, I, I like Davidson. It's a big problem. You know, Aldridge is obviously one of the better players in the league. I, I, We'll see if Davidson can control the tempo on Friday night because yes. that's what they need to do. If if Allen can force the tempo a little bit, get some turnovers, they're going to blow them out. Uh, but we'll see if uh, Davidson can you know take care of the ball and control the tempo because they really don't match up well with Rhode Island. Uh, you know, especially in the backcourt. Oh, I don't know if obviously. anybody. Do- I don't know if anybody does right. at this point. Right. Uh, you know, I, I don't know if anyone does. Oddly enough, I, I would think. <laughs> Out of the teams remaining, LaSalle might match up the best with them, believe it or not, because they have a fair amount of guards and they have B.J. Johnson, who's a guy who you or I would struggle to guard. Is he back playing well, B.J. Johnson? Uh, he, I mean, he's, he had the ankle for a long time. Yeah. Um, and LaSalle has pretty much gone in the tank. They're 10-14 and 14 overall, but he is back. He played 31 minutes uh, on Wednesday night in an 80-69 loss at George Washington. 
So you can only take so much from that. They're not lo- that Rams not losing to LaSalle. You, you just you just said the magic word. They lost to George Washington. So you're giving it to him. 18 and 0. Kevin. Well, Max I, I want to see Friday because I yes. with two games against Davidson. Those uh, obviously Davidson could be they could be the second best team in the league. Right. Uh, but at the Bonnies, they'll be ready to go. That's yeah. all I'll say. Like they were at VCU. At VCU. It, you know, those are challenge games. It, it's yeah, and they did rise to it. I mean, you look at what happened at UMass. They had the game in their pocket with three minutes to go. They're up 12. It ends up an 85-83 final. UMass just never stopped. And and you know how win streaks go, Kevin. Mm-hmm. They're 18th in the country. It's the highest they've ever been in the AP poll. They've won 14 in a row. The last time they won 15 in a row was in the late 30s. Uh, you know, so just you, you want to say law of averages eventually sure. is going to catch up with them. But then you watch them every night on the floor and you think, geez, these guys are pretty good. Yeah, it just might might be the year. And, yeah, it and, might not happen. And again, the opponents, especially on the road, just aren't showing up and, and matching their intensity or ability. You no. know, uh, Again, VCU did it for a stretch, but you better do it for 40 minutes or else you're not going to get away with it. That's right. Um, we have one more item to discuss, and I know you'll be uh, at the Pizzatola Sports Center on Saturday. Yes. But it's a very big weekend for the Brown Bears. I have my... Info here. Here we go. So the updated Ivy League standings right now have Penn first at six and zero, Harvard second at five and one, and then three teams at three and three, including Brown, Columbia, and Princeton. Um, Brown went down. Tough. Always the toughest trip of the year. Penn, Princeton. They had Penn on the on the ropes big time um, at the Palestra and lost. And then the next night went to Princeton and came from the dead to win in overtime. And I know, uh, Bill, you got a little bit to add there, and we can't say enough about Desmond Cambridge. He's playing as well as anyone in the league as, as a true freshman. No, just give him the Ivy League Rookie of the Year right now. Uh, you know, And maybe he's getting to the point where you just sharpie him into your Ivy League first team uh, because this guy is unbelievable, Kevin. He, he made some shots in that Princeton game that I haven't seen a Brown player make maybe since Earl Hunt. Uh, I mean, it's really it, it, the level he's playing at is phenomenal. You're talking about a freshman who had 29 points at Penn and then 32 at Princeton in a 102-100 overtime win. Brown winning at Jadwood and Gymnasium. I think I heard them say on the broadcast they're now three and 65 yeah, I, I at think, that venue. I think the last time they won there, Mike Martin was playing. Right, uh, but I know because I know that the Glenn Miller was the coach, and they swept Penn and Princeton on the road. Okay, and if it's only happened three times, uh, we got we got two of them right there. I mean, you need to think about that. Three out yeah. of sixty-eight is just and Princeton. Fairness to Princeton, they've been the power program in the Ivy for years and years and years, going all the way back to Bill Bradley and Pete Carrill and uh, and all the other great names that and, they've and, had. and Bill Reynolds. Well, <laughs> yeah, more importantly, Bill Bill and I were were talking about. Brown's experiences with Princeton the other day, and, and he said Princeton at the time, in the 60s, was recruiting the guys from New Jersey and Virginia who get into Duke now. That's true. Pretty much. True. You know, Princeton final, was like that. Final Four team uh, right. in 66 when they actually beat Providence. Uh, right. But Bill Bradley was Bill Bradley. That's right. Uh, yeah, they're not getting him anytime soon. You know, Bill Bradley was the most outstanding player at the Final Four on a team that finished third. They had a consolation game at that point. Mm-hmm. He was a guy who could go for 40, 50 points 
in any given night. You would imagine that he would be, you know, the modern day Marvin Bagley, for sure. example. Sure. Um, you know, that guy doesn't go to Princeton anymore. No. Um, he should, but he, he uh, that's, should. you know, and I'm sure they recruit them. They send him a letter, but, and then it's quickly not answered. But but uh, Brown this weekend. Uh, uh, the Cornell game on Friday night is uh, eminently winnable. Columbia is very dangerous. They're the only team that has beaten Harvard. Uh, th- that could be the swing game. And, you know, really, realistically, Brown would be absolutely thrilled to finish in the top four of the Ivy League and go to the conference tournament uh, at the end of the year. Only four teams go, uh, and they're in the mix. Now, there's a long way to go, but uh, with eight games to go, they're certainly in the mix. They're actually favored to win both of these games. If you look at the metrics, uh, they're favored to win against Cornell and slightly less against Columbia. But uh, this is definitely, you, you can see why Mike Martin was excited about this team. It, it's played itself out night over night here. He's got young pieces, athletic pieces, just more depth than he's had at any point. You know, I'm not saying any of these guys you know, I'm not ready to say that they'll have the career that Steven Spieth did, for example, but the way that they're trending and the way that they're able to play on offense in particular, um, he's got a dangerous team here. You, you don't go to Princeton and go down four points with 36 seconds left and pull out a game like that in overtime unless you have something, and, and I think they really do have something. Well, it'll be interesting to see what happens um, this weekend uh, at uh, the Pizzatolo Sports Center. So, Bill, have a good time there on Saturday night. See what happens in Kingston on Friday, and I'll be at Providence and DePaul on Saturday. So it's a busy weekend here in Rhode Island. We're in the stretch run, folks. Get ready for it. Thanks very much. We'll be back with more uh, college basketball chit-chat next week here at the Pick and Pop podcast.